Everybody, welcome to another installment of Show to Be with Mike G, the show of life, the show of Ohio, the show of acting, London, Chicago, whiskey, whiskey, and so much more. As this week on Show to Be, I'm going to devote it to my love for Heaven Hill and the first of two interviews this week with one of the great personalities behind the brand, Miss Lynn House, the national brand educator for Heaven Hill. We talk about a lot of different things, but you know what? Beyond getting into the specifics, I think that you really get to understand how Lynn works, how this analytical mind and how this creative mind just combine to give you this force the triumph of creativity, innovation coming from Lynn. And she can light up a room and has a wonderful personality. It was just a pleasure getting to talk to her. Thank you so much, Lacey, here in Austin, Texas for coordinating such a great chat. And I hope you guys enjoyed this wonderful conversation with Lynn House of Heaven Hill. I'm a Columbus girl, so I was um, I was actually born in Nashville, Tennessee, oh, okay. but I only lived there for two weeks. I hailed from Columbus, yeah. you know. <laughs> um, I grew up in Columbus, went to school in Columbus. I bleed scarlet and gray. Yeah. I'm very obnoxious during football season. I'm definitely a Buckeye. That's good. That's <laughs> you got to align to something. Right? You, you got to. You yeah. got to. And that's a pretty good team to, uh, to align yourself with. But that's yeah, right. I grew up in Columbus and... Um, you know, grade school, what junior kind of high, stuff, high school. I mean, we know the drama pieces, which of course we'll talk about, but what kinds of trouble were you getting into in middle school and high school? What kinds of things did you like to do? In middle school, nothing. nothing, um, nothing. I was, you know, um, my parents were fairly strict. Yeah. <laughs> what, it, um, you know. Because they're just protective? Was it a religious thing? Um, you know, I grew up, you know, raised Roman Catholic, I dad guess. who, you know, worked for the government, but was former military. Oh, okay. All those things, family who came from military, both my grandfathers were Tuskegee Airmen. Oh, that's amazing. Um, so I definitely grew up with a little bit of fear installed sure. in me. So um, elementary and junior high, the trouble that I got into was my mouth. Um, more sarcastic. Sarcastic. Yeah. And I was definitely raised to speak my mind and to not subtle. Yeah. And so if I ever felt like I was settling or something was doing wrong, I would speak my mind. And um, not everybody's open to that, particularly when it's like a 6, 7, 8, 10, 11, 12-year-old This is giving true. you what for. It's like, how smart are you really? You're only 12, but you've got a hell of a smart mouth on you, right? <laughs> you've got a smart mouth. And I actually was kind of smart, too. I imagine, so, yeah. So if things were wrong, I'm like, oh, that's wrong. You know, and I would not back down. So I got into that trouble. High school, a little more trouble, trouble, you know, as most high school kids get into, yeah. you know. Um, but I was, I was actually, I was a pretty good kid. I imagine, you know? probably pretty good student too, yeah? I was a very good student, so I did graduate as one of my valedictorians from high school. Really? 
and um, was like in who's who of American high school students for two years in a row. That's and incredible. On the in the know team, on the state geometry team. I mean, I was kind of an academic geek. That's right. In high school. So. Well, how, do, how does how does art intersect that? Were you doing that at the same time, being so academic? Well, my I. I give a lot of credit first and foremost to my grandmother. Mm. Um, so my grandmother was Lily Mae Carter, and, and she was a poet. She was an educator. That, that name sound, should that name sound familiar? That name should sound familiar. Okay, good, because so, it does. I was just thinking, sure. Um, so she was an educator. Um, uh, so she definitely stressed education, as did my other grandmother, yeah. uh, Marjorie Washington. They both have their master's in education, and, wow. and that's what they did. But my grandmother was a poet, and she got me started writing poetry when I was about four years of age. Wow. And so that's when I had my first poem published. What and kinds of things were you writing about at I four? was writing about butterflies and popcorn at four years the, of age. The beautiful stuff. But yeah. it, it got published, and she did a book with family publishing, and a lot of people in my family wrote as well. And wow. I had the most poems in her book. I had 34 poems as a child. Sid and Quains and classical poetry and some prose and stuff. And yeah. so I was about five or six when that came out. Um, and I was very fortunate in Columbus. Um, we had um, where I went to elementary school was Cranbrook Elementary. And it was one of the four impact arts impact schools okay. in the nation. It was an experimental program. Oh, wow. And Ohio State University, of course, is right there in Columbus. So this was a conjunction with Ohio State University. So in the arts impact structure, not only were all the R's stressed, but everyone had to do a vocal music class, an instrumental music class, really? an arts class, um, drama, everything. And I just loved it. Yeah, so I was amazing. exposed to that at a very, very, very young age. What and, did you uh, take to? What was your instrument? Did you? My instrument was the clarinet. Oh, there you go. Great and um, I sang. And um, I love visual arts, and I love dancing. That's amazing. And um, for me, I think being a person who was kind of cerebral as a child and very yeah. academic, you know, I probably was the only five-year-old listening to Tchaikovsky. <laughs> <laughs> like, I would come I mean, home, and I would, play, yeah. I would play Tchaikovsky, and I would play Sammy Davis Jr., and I would play Thelonious Monk, you know. So amazing. I was just exposed to those things as a child, and... You know, Swan Lake, and I wanted to marry Pablo Picasso, and all these kind of crazy. It would things. have been really dysfunctional, from what I hear. Just for the record, um, it would have been very dysfunctional. <laughs> but I'm still to this day obsessed with Pablo Picasso, and um, was convinced for years that we were going to get married, and he was going to take me out of Columbus, and was going to have this great life. So it could. I mean, <laughs> I like the notion. I really do. Have you, by chance, seen Midnight in Paris? Yes. So. That's where I'm kind of coming from because I just watched it this weekend and okay. Pablo is this, you know, enraged but yet tortured soul that has about four hairs that he combs over his head, you know. <laughs> <laughs> what is it about that? that uh, I have no idea. I mean, I was a little kid, but like I saw his paintings and they just spoke to me like yeah. the blue period and the guitar series, which I've gotten to see all now in person That's as amazing. an adult. Um, but as a child, you know, I just saw it and there was just... You know, I don't know if it was maybe the sadness that was kind of a connection in it, mm. you know, and um, growing up, I always wanted something a little more. And so my whole thing with Pablo Picasso was, he's going to come to Columbus, he's going to take me away, he's going to take me to Europe, and I'm going to have this fantastic life. I had no idea, I was five, what that life would but be. That's an but amazing thought, like as a five-year-old. It's it's a little weird. Well, <laughs> ahead of the curve, perhaps, right? <laughs> I don't know if ahead of a curve or, or whatever, and I think it definitely speaks to where my life 
led as an adult because I still think a little outside the nine dots and see things and always kind of set some goals for myself that are personal goals that people are like, that's a kind of a quirky thing to want to achieve. But I'm like, I'm going to do it. So So, real quick then, is there something on this near term that might be zany, might be lame-brained, but that you really want to accomplish? Oh, my gosh. Um, There's a lot, but... There's a lot. I mean, I still want to win a Tony Award. Oh, that's amazing. You know, I mean, my degree is in theater. I was a professional actor for years. I acted all through elementary and high school. I went to school for theater. Um, I've worked off-Broadway. I still have this dream to be back on stage and to win a Tony Award. That's like like a bucket list thing for me. I think there is always time. You know, there's always until there's no more time. Right. There's always time. Clock is still going until the clock stops. There's always time. You know, my grandmother just celebrated her 93rd birthday. That's amazing. And so she's still doing stuff. And so I'm like, you know, had she given up when she was like 70, that's 23 years of not doing something. So there's always time. Yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah. Well, so, you know, something is interesting is that even though it seems like you're saying your parents are strict, right? It sounds like they also intellectually and cerebrally if that's the way to say that, <laughs> did not did not put any parameters on you. There were actually, I mean, there was, you know, my father used to say um, 100% is not good enough, 110%. And he's like, once you achieve 110%, yeah. 120%, which kind of feeds into my own personal psychosis of today. <laughs> like always seeking perfection. Yeah. And I did have this, a really great artistic background around me and, expressing yourself was really important growing up and even in cocktails back in the day you know 10 years ago I expressed myself in a way I think that was very unique for the time and people were like "Hmm," you know what's going on I'm like this is what I see in a drink and this is what inspires me in a drink and I I pulled a lot from pop culture pop culture and I pulled a lot from from the arts from music from visual arts I did a whole menu once around Stravinsky's The Rites of Spring. Beautiful. And people are like, yeah. what? And I'm like, no, there's these pieces, and I can see the flavors and so what I yeah. hear, you know, um, in you, the music. Do you find that, I think this is the thing that I, I think, I knew was going to happen actually between us, this music piece and comp- yes. composing, low, mid, high, be- building this trilogy, this harmony in cocktails, but... That aside, do you think that people get lost in your very innate cerebral nature? Like they just can't, Ooh, like it's inaccessible um, for them? I, th- I think for some, I think you have to think a little bit sometimes, if yeah. I'm to be honest about yeah. myself. Um, those who know me know that this, that little cere- is in everything that I do, yeah. whether it's a pair of shoes that I buy or something that I cook or whatever. And those who are a little outside or just being introduced to me when I talk about things, mm. I'm like, I, I, I think about so much. I've learned this about myself over the years. So I've learned how to translate it better. I think about like so much before I express it. But if I try to express to you what I'm thinking while I'm thinking it, you're like, what is the planet is this girl on? Oh, interesting. <laughs> it's like Kandinsky. It is. It's, right? And I love Kandinsky. Yeah. You know, I love Kandinsky. And Stravinsky, you know, with all the cacophonous sound, like these sure. like chaos on my door. At my home, I live in an apartment in Chicago, and I have Nietzsche's phrase, out of chaos, you know, a yeah. star is born. And for me, I feel like, honestly, personally, a lot of thoughts in my head are 
chaotic. Yeah, yeah. And then my challenge is to kind of streamline it into something basic. So. It's almost adulthood, if you think about it, the, or, or maturity in a way, professionally especially, I think, right? I think so. I think so. Like, you know, you have to learn to censor yourself. You have to learn to organize yourself. You yeah. have to learn how to translate yourself. But while doing it, never give up who you are. That's right. Because you, know? you can, you know, that's the thing about bands, right? They start out in a garage and... Sometimes the songs are good. There's always that heart. The Ramones were good. Right. But once you sort of brought some structure, that's what really made them accessible and allowed Absolutely. it to resound. So, like, that to, to your point, I think that's exactly what has to happen. And if you want to be, you don't have to be accessible. But if you true, want accessibility, true, right? then you have to learn how to, like, understand other people as well and guide your messaging, your that's thoughts, right. so that it can be, um, I guess the word is appreciated. Yeah. Well, I think... I imagine that you'd find the intellectual challenge there. That to how many, how fewer words can I use, right? Because I'm verbose as well. Yes. And it's like, well, I can say the <laughs> same. Can I say the same thing in five words? Shit, what if I can do it in three words? Right. I I I have to work very hard to find the concise message of yeah. what I'm thinking because I'll wax on for like 20 minutes when I could have used like five words to say <laughs> what I was saying, and. Um, but that's just kind of like the synapses that are going off in the head that I'm uh. thinking about all these things at the same time. I get very, watching this, you can't see this in the <laughs> podcast, but I get very excited when yeah. I start talking, and it literally is, and I physically start I to. I love that, you know, though, yeah. I have friends who are like, are you Italian? Because like you are so with your hands every single time you talk, and I'm like, I think a little bit, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> you go back far enough, maybe we're you all could, a little I bit gotta Italian. You could, I got to get the ancestry DNA test done. That's right, you know, to 75 find out, bucks or something. Yeah, what's going on? But I feel like there's something because I definitely, I feel like thought should be physical too. Yeah, I like that. So You get it. Yeah. Well, maybe that's, so Pollock, right? Putting himself into Very the Pollock. painting, right? The, Incredibly the so, absolutely, yeah. So I get that, but the, a lot of people don't, they can't create art from their inter-terminal like, you know what I mean? And so it's nice to think that you appreciate the process, that vigorous movement, the vigorous thought. Right. It can be nerve-wracking sometimes, too, yeah. because you're like, God, can I just think a little more <laughs> <laughs> simple? But I also think that most people are actually that way. They just don't necessarily embrace it so that when you're actually able to do it uh-huh. and actualize it and visualize it, they appreciate that effort and they get to be part of that ride with you. That's amazing. And I think that happens whether it's visual art, you mentioned Pollock. Yeah. Amazing mind and you see movement and all these things in his paintings and it could kind of look like just spots and stuff like that. You know, you look to something like Sorrow, Sunday in the Park with George, one of my most favorite paintings in the world. It's in Chicago at the Art Institute. It's amazing. Love to go a couple of times a year and just look at it. Yeah. Because it, looks very organized from behind, but it's incredibly chaotic with the pointillism when yeah. you're up close. I love that. Well, so. that's a metaphor for life, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Step back sometimes. You have to step to back sometimes. Give you some clarity. Well, you know, I'm interested. Obviously, acting took you quite a ways into your career. It took you to Oxfordshire, if I understand correctly, yes. Yes. to study some acting there. Now, a question I do have, before we talk about that passion for acting and an extension of your interest in art, poetry is romantic. Art is romantic did you get into some troubles did you go through those troubled <laughs> teenage relationships like we all do and then you're writing about it uh not in teenage relationships um as i mentioned my father was ex-military so teenage relationships Good were not point, allowed yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my first like official date was like high school prom so i was like not allowed of the house and that definitely in college as i was trying to find my way i think yeah 
coming from a, a very kind of a restrictive social background, um, but then also thinking and recognizing in myself that I thought differently than most people did, yeah. that I, I had a hard time connecting with people um, because I, we just, it was hard to explain myself. Right. Um, as an adult, relationships were definitely very difficult for me um, from a personal sense. I'd right. get into some long-term ones and, you know, and I'm a perfectionist too, so that's, a little it's hard. tough yeah it's hard because we're hard. really flawed you i know? am really flawed I i'm incredibly you. flawed i i mean i'm saying this now on a podcast right. i won't tell you in person but, <laughs> but then to sit there and look at other people's flaws and so it actually it took me some time maturity growing up to accept my own flaws yeah. and then to accept flaws in other people's so that was a part of me growing up it's an interesting that i had to do peace I, I think we all have to do that you know because yeah. Actually, laughing at yourself is one of the greatest things you can do. It is. It is great. And that's why I laugh all the time. I laugh at myself all the time now. It's great. People are like, you're always laughing. I'm like, nine times out of ten, it's at myself. I'm like, <laughs> you may not get the joke yeah. that's going on in my head right now, <laughs> but I'm like, I'm being so crazy right now. <laughs> I, I am the funniest guy in this room right now. Like, yeah. no, like not, you know, just like you have, you know, there's a, always an internal dialogue going on in my head. Yeah. And I laugh at that because I'm like, you can't hear it, but I hear it. And I'm cracking myself up right now. Yeah, I, love, <laughs> I love it, man. It's so cerebral. Yeah. So when we talk about the acting chapter, which is yet, yeah, it's kind of to be continued, I think, right now. You talk about the Tony. I think it's inside dot, dot, dot. I still yeah. do a little. I feel a lot of what I still do embraces what I do as an actor. Yeah. You know, whether it's something like this or a TV appearance or a seminar. I'm in front of people. There is an audience. That's right. I'm still pulling from that. I haven't hung up the acting, but... I'm not tap dancing and singing musical numbers right now like I used to. So, yeah. What, or rather, which actors or actresses really influenced you and maybe motivated you to do bigger and different things with your acting abilities? Oh, wow. What actors? And um, a lot of women influenced me, strong women. Dorothy Dandridge, I go back to her. Oh, yeah, classic. You know, um, particularly myself being a woman of color and her carving out her career when she did Josephine Baker. Oh yeah. You know, um, Eartha Kitt. Well, I'm not familiar with Eartha Kitt. Eartha Kitt, the original Catwoman. Oh no, kidding! And she actually was on the McCarthy list and had to go to Europe and do her career for a long time. Wow. Um, but these were incredibly. If you ever saw Boomerang, oh yeah, from, uh, Eddie, Eddie Murphy. Ed, Eddie Murphy. Mm -hmm. She was the older woman who's like, you know, who oh, came okay. in and. And, um, you know, these were women who carved out their careers as women of color at a very difficult time, not just for women, not yeah. just for people of color, but for somebody who was both. That's right. And um, so they influenced me a lot. Um, Lena Horne oh, yeah. Yeah. as a singer, Stormy Weather, to this day, one of my favorites, um, is another huge influence for me. Um, it was just their fortitude. Mm. And it was their... Knowing who they were, going to be demand to be recognized for who they are yeah. and um, not apologizing for who they are. Right. But not also beating your head over. You know what I mean? Sometimes being refined and kind of charismatic is part, partially being withdrawn, right? Exactly. Yeah. The silent stoicism in a sense, Exactly. Right? You know, so, I mean, they obviously tailored themselves to be accepted at a time when they weren't accepted. Yeah. But... 
so much of who they were came out. Yeah. And they've influenced so many people. So those have been, I would say, from a theatrical sense, some of my strongest influences. I, I, people who I still to this day, makes you know, a lot of they've sense. all passed, but I have I take tremendous grit from who they were. Yeah. So Do you think and it's a brief tangent, but as a woman of color in this industry, I'm sure it's a token question that people ask you, but is it different now with an orange presence in DC? Is it feel immediately different being on the road? Do people, are they more warm or are they colder? Oh, that's a very complicated question. Um, I, think it's, I think it's more warm and better for myself personally mm. because I have been in this role as a national person for a brand for almost four years. Amazing. Um, definitely when I started, there were a lot of obstacles you know, people would assume I couldn't talk about cocktails. I couldn't talk about whiskey. Really? They would assume that I wanted something sweet. I wanted this. I'm like, I'm like, actually, no, I drink kind of like, you know, everybody else yeah. and everybody else in this industry. So that's um, a change that I've seen personally, that is I've gotten myself known personally. I think there are more opportunities for people of color, for women in this industry at the same time, however, there's, it's like a Virginia Slims. There's a long way to go. That's you right. Know, there's a long road ahead. There's still a lot of not opportunities there. There's still a lot of misperceptions. Mm. Um, I experienced a lot of that when I was behind the bar four years ago. You know, Lynn, the way I spell it, L-Y-N-N, -N, yeah. my parents spelled it, is masculine. So people would come in and automatically assume like oh lynn house where's the guy who's running this beverage program I'm like oh, no man. it's me yeah that's i'm here's my driver's license that's me and i would i mean you know at least once a week you get a little look like seriously really i'm like no that's me you know so that's I, you know it never even crossed my mind you know i was like lynn lynn's a i i don't know i've never known a guy named lynn lynn swan <laughs> still don't know you know I, mean, but I, I, mean, I know a few lynn's but the way mine is spelled is masculine hmm. so l-y-n-n if you, it's feminine if you put an E on it. I see, okay. Yeah. Well, so. it's just a testament to your strength, right? And your fortitude and stuff. <laughs> well, I mean, in a way, it was like, we're going to do this with your name. Your parents are thinking, and I know you're going to defend the shit out of it. I, I just think um, I was definitely raised to never back down and be a determined person. That's and amazing. that, you know, your dreams are yours to achieve and they're yours to get in the way of. Yeah. That's and don't point. let anybody else get in the way of your dreams. So I, so I still operate from that. I think so. I think... I think the bigger challenge is not getting in your own way, as you said. Yeah, and yeah. it's very easy to get in your way. I think a big way that people get in their way, they start thinking about other people and how they perceive them and what they think about them. Absolutely. And start making their decisions and their judgments on what, other, what they are perceiving others are expecting. Yeah. And then you're in your own way. I'm like, be who you want to be, do what you want to do, and do it. Yeah. You know, do now. You do something silly, ask for forgiveness later. Totally. Take you know, accountability for Swing it. Swing for the fence. Just do it. Just do it. What's the worst that can happen? You hit the fence. That's right. <laughs> I mean, that's it. Say I'm sorry. No problem. I'll go back up to bat and try and hit again. Totally. So. Just fuck that shit off. It's exactly. fine. It's easy. Exactly. It's never will leave a dent. Ever. Yeah. Whoa. Seldom does. So what was the moment? Because this all makes sense, right? The okay. artistic background, the interest in geometry, the interest in very, very qualitative and quantitative things. So this allows you... If you think about a cocktail, it allows you both to be very, very tactical and execute things in a mathematical way while also right. waving over 
your wand of creativity mm-hmm. and cerebral fortitude. We're just keep using that word. I like that word. Okay. What was? <laughs> I like it too. I'm it's have not a cocktail bad. called that cerebral fortitude. Dude, wow, that's a mouthful. But yes, imagine it'll be quite a cerebral <laughs> cocktail. Pensive, perhaps. But what was the moment where it really became clear to you that perhaps your career was going to take a turn in this hospitality, in this cocktail direction? So, as you know, a professional actor, I worked in restaurants. I worked my way through college and everything. Yeah. And I think about 15, 15, 16 years ago, I'm trying to go back and count in time, I worked at a restaurant called Spring okay. in Chicago. Um, Sean McLean, who's a James Beard Award winning chef, I actually grew up with him in Oxford, Ohio. Oh, no kidding. So we both had like, he had his first chef job. I had my first, I was a hostess and he was deep frying Mexican pizzas Mm. in the background. So it was so funny. Here we are years later in Chicago, both working at these kind of fancy la-da-da places and carving out a name. But I was working there and it was a phenomenal culinary program. And I worked my way in restaurants for years, like I said, through college. And we had a phenomenal wine program. Mm. And we developed this phenomenal sake program. We had a really horrible liquor and cocktail program. Really? Uh, We were serving these amazing wines, and then we had these horribly, signally sweet drinks. Mm. That, to me, the cerebellin, like, that doesn't make sense with anything else that we do. disparate, right? Yeah, Yeah. I'm like, phenomenal cocktail list. I mean, wine list. And phenomenal, you know, sake list. Phenomenal. We do all this training. But our spirits and our cocktails in our menu were like a throwaway. Mm. And for me, always looking as a whole picture and thinking about my customers, I was like, this didn't make any sense. Yeah. And so I went to our boss, one of the owners of the company, and I said, hey, this doesn't make any sense. I'm like, we do all these tra- this training on food, on wine, on sake, blah, 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 blah. We've had to learn all this stuff. But I'm like, I couldn't tell you what half our spirits are behind the bar. And these cocktails do not go with our food whatsoever. Wow. How do you and, take it? You or know. How do they take it? She. she. That's why I corrected it. Like, well, actually, it could have been a woman. That, which exactly. But she looked at me, and she didn't quite understand it because she came from wine and yeah. food. And she's like, well, if you're so passionate about it, you know, go do something <laughs> you about it. You go do it, yeah. And, of course, to me, I hear, like, challenge, you know. <laughs> I'm like, I will, you know. And so I read Anthony Diaz's book and um, started teaching myself about spirits. Yeah. And, and then I was like, I'm ready to do a class. And the first one I did was scotches because we had a huge scotch, you know, audience at this restaurant. And I broke down all the, you know, Highland, Lowland, yeah. Isla, Campbell, you know. Peated, not right, peated, like all the not great peated, stuff. water, yeah. this, that, you know, and, and talked about it. And then I started sitting in with her on buying mm. spirits and helping choose spirits. And then I got to sit in on designing cocktails. And so something that I think has been a unique voice for myself personally because I did come from this fine dining wine background. Yeah. I always approach a cocktail like a glass of wine. I like that. Front, back, acids, tannins, yeah, sweet, yeah. bitter, all of those things, and they have to interact with each other. And so even if it's three ingredients, five ingredients. And so I just started doing that, and I was really successful. And mm. it, was, it was recognized um, by the staff, by the team. Liquor sales went up all of these things, and um, I had thought at that time about going back and getting a degree at UC Davis in enology, mm-hmm. 
Um, it was like at the time a forty thousand dollar a year program, God. which I did not have the cash for. I was a lot paying. I was yeah. paying off my undergrad. Um, so I'm like, all right, that's not going to work. Right. And then I was able to get into um, the Academy of um, Spirits and Fine Service, the Advanced Academy of Culinary Mixology, and then um, Bar Smarts, their program, yeah, and yeah. some other programs, and discovered like I love this. This is so much fun. Yeah. Um, it's creative. It's mathematic. Um, it's a nice application of all that stuff. It was right? a great application. And then it. you still, so that's the great part is you get to construct it. So that's all that. I get to construct that. it. And it's a formula. That's right. And then, I taste it, which is artistic. And totally. then people enjoy it, which is a little. The reciprocity part. Yes. The, the performance part. Absolutely. The audience. It's the performance part. So. Really a good gig. If you yes. think about it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it, and it was. And I had so much fun. And, you know, the first full menus I did um, I was at um, Hot Chocolate working for Mindy Siegel. I was mm. her general manager and beverage director. And the same thing, you know, we, I just started creating cocktails. And um, they were being received very well. And everyone's like, you're pretty good at this. You yeah. know, you should continue doing this. And that's when I continued to study more and learn more about spirits and their construction and their chemical makeup. And that was interesting too, that part, the that hard totally science. That was interesting to me and, yeah. and mash bills and all that kind of stuff. So, and now I just put it all together, so. That's crazy. So when you think about, um, a fame may be a, lo- a large word, but since we're talking about acting, we'll just use the word fame. But you were highly decorated by the media as a brilliant mind, compositional genius. <laughs> With, with, <laughs> with, you know, with making cocktails, with communicating with people, seemed like it was a pretty good thing. So at what point did you say, okay, I actually want to go to the other side of the bar. I want to represent a brand. I think, um, uh, well, when I went to brand work, um, that was actually a little technical and real reality in there as well. Um, bartending is a very physical career. Right. You're standing on your feet for 14 hours, long hours. It's a lot of mental fortitude. That's right. <laughs> dealing with the public, dealing with your teams, dealing with it's, you know, it's 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 not like every day you knew what to expect. Right. Um, and I was getting up in age. Um, what really kind of inspired me to cross over, as I tell people, I had a cold draft incident. Um, I worked at the Beard Awards years ago with um, when I was at Blackbird. Mm-hmm. And um, we were the first table when everybody came out. And I ended up shaking, like, mm, about 1,500 cocktails wow. at the end of the night. I shook my tendon off. Oh, my gosh. You li- literally you I shook literally woke up the next morning, and this protrusion was in my arm. Oh, like, my gosh. I couldn't lift my arm. Flew home, taped it up, went to the doctor, and they're like, it's tennis elbow. And my tendon had come off from overshaking how and i bartended for seven months in like a soft brace okay um and um it's incredibly painful i can't imagine but by this point in time i'd fallen so in love with this industry i'm like how do i stay in this industry what do i do and so the thought was to look into brand work and so i spent the better part of about six months yeah um looking at different brands different companies to find something that was a fit for me um, integrity is also very important for Absolutely. me, so I just didn't want to go to the first job. Because you could. I'm sure people was were at your door offering I, you I had jobs. some offers, yeah. but things that were really important to me. And when I was in restaurant life, for the most part, I always worked for an independent. 
And so now at Heaven Hill, I'm working for an independent family-owned company. Yeah. And the things that you love with an independent, I have on this larger scale now in, a, in a, an ambassador role. Do you like so. the traveling bit, going to a new city every <laughs> night kind of thing? The, the traveling is great. Um, we do it a little uniquely at Heaven Hill because it is family-owned. They don't want me to burn out. Ah. So I'm in a market for a week. I have friends who do brand work, and they can be in three states within the course of four yeah, days. No kidding. I'm within a market for a week, so it's very sane. In general, I'm home on the weekends, mm-hmm. um, so there's a great bit of sanity with what I'm doing. But I've gotten to go to parts of the country that I never had been before, yeah. which is great. I get to meet people. I have developed friendships across the country mm. that I wouldn't have before, except for this opportunity. So I really enjoy it, you yeah. know. I'm a mom, but my daughter's grown. Oh, yeah. You know, so I have an empty house. So um, the only thing that really needs care at my home is plants. And I have someone who comes in once a week and waters them for there me. There you go, yeah. You know, so it's, um, it's, it's a fun way to experience the world. How do you think of, is your daughter interested in the culinary arts as well? My daughter um, has a little more of an analytical brain mm. than I did. So it's interesting. She actually... Works in taxes and stuff now. No kidding. Which I huh. kind of felt like, what? Um, <laughs> when I. That's not for me. <laughs> I'm like, that is not my gene yeah. coming through. Where I had a mathematical brain, it's not where I found my joy. Right. I found my joy in, in, in geometry, as you mentioned, which is a more a three dimensional math. That's right. Math. Yeah. Um, like the analytical stuff and all that. I'm like, yeah, that's not where my head is happy. Um, so she's, she's doing that. Um, she brings a lot of creativity to what she does. Yeah. Um, you know, she has her own family now, and I see oh, so her great. bringing those culinary lessons and all of those things with what she, how she works with the kids are, are pretty fantastic. Um, but she's her own person. I'm just really proud of her. I so. like that. I mean, yeah. that's – I realized as I, when I was younger, I was like my mom, but then as I'm getting older, I'm like my dad. So it's I mean, a weird she's duality. Very much me. She's yeah. personality-wise, she's got my temper. She's got my everything. smart mouth. Right? Smart mouth. <laughs> she's saucy. Everything. Observations. I'm like, God bless her husband. I'm like, oh, I know what you're dealing with because you're dealing with a mini me. Did you? Were you? Did you take some of those strictness lessons and kind of use that as a parent, or you're like, I, no, I'm gonna kind of. Re- I did. I did to a certain extent. Yeah. Um, she, I think, she's a much stricter per- parent than I was. Whoa, okay, okay. She really is. I see her with her kids. I'm always like, Lex, lighten up a little bit, you know? <laughs> and she's like, no, they have to have. But I also wow. know those were things I installed in her. She has three children. She was an only child for me. So there yeah. was, I think, a little more leeway with an only child. So. It makes some sense. Yes. What? Well, I gotta be honest. I don't have interest in kids, but I love hearing about <laughs> hearing about other people's kids is far better. No, you I, know? if you don't. Not everyone's meant to have kids. Yeah. I'm like, if it's not you, don't do it. You know? do- dogs, animals, done deal. Yes. I treat them. And, and for me, I was like one and done. Yeah. People are like, aren't you sad you didn't have multiples? I'm like, no, I'm really like fine with one. you kicking back with a <laughs> glass of whiskey. Say, this is a pretty damn good this is, gig. I'm like, one was a, enough of a stretch for yeah. me. <laughs> so. so you, you know, I would say it's a pleasure getting to represent Heaven Hill's portfolio of stuff. Now, I know you focus on Domaine, Domaine de Canton. And then Pama is the and other Pama. Right? Yeah. I focus on the liqueurs, but it's such a beautiful portfolio. Um, we have a strong whiskey base. Oh, yeah. um, we've got these beautiful liqueurs. We've got the Raise the Roof Hypnotic, which is a really fun brand yeah. to work on for me, um, particularly coming from the craft cocktail side. We mm. took cocktails so seriously. So I have 
fun playing around with yeah, that. Yeah, I like that. And bringing fun back. I'm like, mm-hmm. it's drinking, it's fun, it's social, it's right. hospitality. Um, but I've also gotten the opportunity with Heaven Hill to be part of innovations. Oh, really? Um, which for me is, is, again, going back to that geeky totally. formula, creating, you know. Always moving forward. Always moving forward. Mm-hmm. And um, so I'm, I'm getting to do a lot with innovations. I'm getting a lot to do a lot with education. Yeah. That it's not just talking about the brands, but it's like going to our customer base and teaching them how to be better at what they do, sharing my own personal experiences. Um, my grandparents, my aunt and uncles were all teachers, so I also come from that background that as well. Makes perfect sense, yeah. You know, so. Would it, I'm, you know, if this was a job interview, which it's not, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I've I've failed horribly as an interview, <laughs> but what do you see as one of your weaknesses? Because I know we talked about maybe you overanalyze or perhaps you think too hard, but really it seems like you're pretty proficient, if not really skilled, in so many different areas. If I were to say one of my weaknesses, I would say would be um, at times I take things too personally, mm. and um, I've gotten very good at covering when my feelings are hurt. Yeah but my feelings can get hurt very easily. Interesting. Um, what sign are you, by the way? I'm a Virgo. Okay, okay. And it makes complete sense. So yeah. I'm a perfectionist. So that's also definitely, it's a great strength, but it's a great weakness at the same time. Yeah. So when things aren't absolutely perfect, I become a little, that's when the chaos reigns in my head. I see. So I like everything to be so controlled so that it calms the chaos. People don't understand. Yeah. But when things don't, start happening the way I want, the way I planned, you know, I, you know, um, Do you get I definitely become, I become a little flustered, you know, frustrated, yeah. um, just frustrated and flustered. No, I like that time. a lot. It's a good so I become frustrated. I become, um, a little terse, yeah. you know, I may snip. You're, it, you're smart enough to be terse. <laughs> terse, you have to be kind of smart. I don't think people can be really, really dumb and be terse. They well, just come they off can, like but a loop. Sometimes it may take people off the surprise. They're like, you were just laughing a second ago and now I'm like it's like, you know, yeah. it's like I need that I need that base to be there for me and that organizational thing. So I think those those are things I have to work on and I continually to work on to be more in the moment. Yeah. Um, and not so rigid about things and to let it go more than to hold on to it so maybe those are some of the lessons you get to learn you know traveling around at answering questions from random people all the time i mean you have to you know in this in this profession and then in this role that i'm in right now there's a lot of unpredictability sure you know whether it's flights getting canceled and so instead of having three hours to prepare for something i'm just now landing and walking into an event right or something didn't show up I had shipped and it's being shipped tomorrow, but I yeah. need it today. So now I still have to do the presentation and all of that. And that has definitely helped me um, step out of that control comfort zone for myself. So You're just going with it, going with the flow. You have no yeah. choice. The show must go on, as that's, they say. Yes, so. yes, that's absolutely <laughs> right. That is absolutely right. Well, you know, I'm so glad we got to chat. And I got a couple more questions for you because I really I love talking to actors now. And then you find... You know, you throw a dart, you're going to hit an actor in this particular industry. You exactly. Know? Everyone was, uh, you know, all the top people, too, you meet them. They're like, oh, well, really? I got into bartending because it paid the bills while I was acting. That's right, yeah. All or my band stuff. was on my hiatus. My band was yeah. on tour, and when it wasn't on tour, I bartended or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Well, 
before we talk about kind of what I might see as an ultimate or a next chapter for you, I'm really curious, and I ask this question for everybody on the show. So you are anywhere in the world grabbing a cocktail, grabbing a whiskey, whatever you want, right? And you're sitting there at the bar, and you can enjoy that drink with anybody, living or deceased, who might you like to sit and have a conversation with? Wow, that's a great question. Um, I think the first person that I would love to sit and have that conversation with would be my grandmother. Oh, yeah. Um, Lily Mae Carter. She passed when I was 16 years old. Wow. Um, and I would say out of anyone in my life, she's the single greatest influence I've had as a person. Mm. Um, she inspired me artistically. Um, she was my confidant growing up. Yeah. And I really miss talking to her. So I would love to sit and just have a cocktail with Grandma and, you know, well, it was Grandmother because she was very proper. Ah, so grandmother little Grandma was, like, not allowed in my house. Um, but I would love to sit and have a cocktail with her and just have that one more touchstone, you know, yeah. moment with her. Um, if, there was, if I were to pick a second person, I would say deceased, mm. uh, Lena Horn. Ah. I was obsessed with her as a child. Um, I think she's deceased. I think so. I'm pretty sure. I hope I haven't, yeah. like, called her up for being dead. And she's no. Dead. <laughs> like, sometimes you hear about things, and you're like, wasn't, hasn't, that person wasn't dead No, yet? I know, man. You know? Abe Bogota for a long time. Everybody thought Abe Bogota was dead. And then he just died. Then he died. I'm like, oh, shit, well, I feel bad. Nuts. But Lena Horn, you know, growing up, she was one of the three people, if I could ever interview, I was like, I would love to interview. It's amazing. And talk, because she saw so much. And then someone living that I would love to have a cocktail with would actually be, like, as a famous person, Michelle Obama. Mm. Um, I have so much respect for her. Um, I arms, know she's man. got some stories. Oh, she has to. I'd love to feed her some whiskey and be like, all right, break it down. <laughs> and you know she's gotta, she has to sip some whiskey. She's just got to sip some whiskey. You know, I would love to, like, in that casual sense, just, like, girl-to-girl talking. No yeah. one else is ever going to hear about this conversation. Let's sip some tea, as they would say. I'll let you guys have that conversation. <laughs> kind of have a, I suspect where it may go, and I, you know, I'm gonna leave I'm that like, to let, you. Guys. Let's sip some tea and some laughs right. and some share. And um, you know, I've just, I've, I really admire her um, as a person. You know, has nothing to do with politics or anything right. like that. Coming from Chicago, you know, they were the family of Absolutely. Chicago, so there's a great personal connection there with that. So. Yeah, I mean, those are great. I, I want to meet your grandma, or yes. excuse me, your grandmother. You know, I mean, it sounds compelling, riveting, like she lived such an interesting and She lived a very, very interesting life. life a very know? interesting life, yes. And that's, this, this the, I love that stuff, and I love those kinds of people that you know they've really lived something important, mm-hmm. you know. Well, and then that begs a question. This will be my last question for you. I know you guys have some stuff in your, actually, Texas tour, you've got a few dates. What What's kind of the scope of the travel this week? What are you talking about here? So the travel this week, I am going to be between Austin and San Antonio. That's my Chicago coming out, Austin. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Austin and San Antonio. um, I've had the opportunity to get in front of a bunch of bartenders and doing a seminar um, that's aptly titled um, Competing with Confidence, kind of um, giving them skills to – be better at competitions. We host a competition with Heaven Hill. Yeah. So many other brands host a competition. Um, I'm guest bartending. At Javelina tonight, right? At Javelina tonight. And then I want to say it's the Jazz Bar in San Antonio. Yeah, that's, that's right. Uh-huh. Okay, I got the name right. 
Um, so I'm dusting off my arm. And um, I um, am working, you know, with our distributors, yeah. you know, having some happy hours and eating and so it's also good. Always nice to it's be always, in Texas. It's always a, a mixed bag of what I get to do in markets. So. I like that. Yeah. Keeps, Keeps me on my toes. Exciting. Yeah. Exactly. All right. So now we have for what is just this incredibly rich experience you've had through life thus far. It's been really intriguing for me. What, if you are that kind of person, what might be next for you? What is, what's a, a frontier beyond brand work? Not to say it's not good enough. Not to say that Heaven Hill doesn't have the best portfolio out there you know i think in the industry a frontier for me would be um innovation mm. i'd love to do more with innovations there's things that i see from my scope from being someone who came from behind the bar yeah love to have these products love to have do all of that um my end game is st croix okay oh yeah i'm um, gonna start a rum distillery out there i don't want to start a rum <laughs> distillery i like want to settle there i honestly want like a super simple restaurant um with apple butter someone told me to ask you about I, the apple oh butter. yeah that was one of my first drinks that kind of oh, no launched kidding. onto the national market um it was like in, in uh gary regan's um the bartender's gin compendium yeah. it became a signature cocktail of mine and one of the first that just got written about and it was london calling and i made my own apple butter love so it. it was a deconstructed reconstructed pim's cup um, so I made like a homemade cucumber soda and a homemade ginger syrup and a homemade apple butter and then of course gin in that and took all the isolated all the elements. So things like apple butter, my grandmother taught me how to make, and oh, so man. it was also paying homage to her in a glass. So, but I would love to. I go to Saint Croix every year. Yeah, it's my sanctuary in the midst of this crazy world, and I would love to move there one day and just have some bed and breakfasts and have a little taco stand on the beach and. Let life be really simple. <laughs> uh, it's going to take a nice, relaxing exhale. exhale. I know. <sighs> Need to head An to the beach. An exhale for like 30 years. I and, know, man. And, and that'd good. be it. Mm, sounds brilliant. Lynn, I'm glad we finally got to do this and Thank coordinate. You. And uh, It's so good to finally have our paths I know. intersect. So. It's fateful, isn't it? Yes. All right. Well, I hope you enjoy the rest of your Texas travels. And Thank I know you. I'll see you again soon. Absolutely. Heaven Hill Love, thank you so much. All right. Cheers. Thank you so much. Well, there we have it, Miss Lynn House, national brand educator for Heaven Hill, talking about a lot of great things here. Seems like she had a successful career as an actress, a successful career as a bartender, but now travels the United States getting to share the wonderful labels behind Heaven Hill. Family, as she puts it, and family seems to have a lot of influence on Lynn and her pursuits as well. Lots of amazing, rich stories here, and honestly, just picking Lynn's brain you get to see those wheels churning and see how much thought and how much analysis and how much creativity runs through her mind and her blood. And I think it's very apparent with the presentations and the ways that she engages with her audiences. So thanks, everybody, for listening to Show to V with Mike G. No matter what solution you use to get rid of terrible, terrible headaches and neck aches, or if you really do think there are great health benefits to yoga, please keep dancing.